0: Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, Find out which episodes are coming up and get the latest blogger advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Today, we are going to talk about emotional labor and I'm very excited to introduce my guest Dr. (laughs) Regina Lark. Welcome to the show Regina.
1: Thank you so much. I love that we are here together. I know it's lovely. You are
0: a professional organizer but you're also a feminist Mm -hmm. historian and we're particularly going to talk about emotional labor Mm -hmm. because Regina co-authored a book in October last year which really, I think, blows this whole conversation wide open and provides some tools and approaches to help ourselves, Mm. too, which is very important. But, Regina, let's begin at the beginning. I mean, what is emotional labor for my listeners?
1: Emotional labor was first coined by a sociologist in the 1980s, and Arlie Hochschild is the sociologist, and she used two professional types: food service, you know, food uh, food servers, and flight attendants. And she talked about the ways in which food servers and flight attendants are their assumed. To provide um, kindness and solicitation, you know, that, that they are that they're all about the customer. It's all about keeping the customer happy and their world in that moment that you are engaged with them. But over the years, the term emotional labor was redefined and re-identified uh, to cover. The work that is performed predominantly by women in the household. And Judith Kohlberg is my book collaborator. She would be a fun person to have on your show. She's super smart. And so, this is our working definition of emotional labor it is the unseen, the unnoticed, the unwaged. The unwritten, the unanticipated work that women do at home and also in the paid workplace, right? They're, they're the ones scheduling the team meetings and making sure that office supplies are, are regardless of their job description. So it's, it's everything from matching kids' socks to planning family meals, organizing holiday dinners. The concept of kin work, meaning all the work that revolves around not only birthdays and holidays and and special occasions and and then all the accoutrements that go with that, um, gifts and e-cards and bows and ribbons and boxes, but also negotiating the new terrain in case of divorce. You know, your show is is dedicated to women thriving through menopause. Millions of women are, are peri in and post menopause, and they're still responsible for, they still have kids on payroll, right? They still have kids that, that it, 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 at any rate may need them on some level, which is lovely, but they're also now responsible for the caregiving of their older adult parents. And not only their adult parents, but often their spouse's adult parents. So truly a sandwich generation metaphor. And the book, uh, the Emotional Labor book, and this concept of emotional labor really describes all the hugely valued and valuable, but Enormously undervalued work that women do in the home.
0: Yes, in- indeed. <laughs> I'm just thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, yes. And they just sound like, I'm sure my listeners out there are just going, well, that's exactly me. And I'm doing this stuff and that stuff. And we had a lovely couple on who talked about parenting your aging parents and just how all consuming that is. So- so many of us know. And then we add, if you had oh, nothing else to no.
1: do, that would be all consuming. Yeah. And
0: it's not just, you know, take it, taking care of mum. It's like they'll ring up in the middle of the day and say, I can't do the shopping or I can't get into my online banking because the modern world is complicated for older people compared to us. So we do so much for them that is an added burden. And and well we love doing it to a certain extent, but it's still so much, isn't it?
1: And i it is and and i I think you bring up a very good point, and I hear this a lot. What about the person, the woman who loves being there for the family and homemade goods and being the listening ear and and making sure that your elder dad's prescriptions are correct? I mean these are incredibly valuable ways. That our humanity expresses itself to one another. We would, we would be lost. Our humanity would, would, would crash and tumble without emotional labor. And yet, and I, and we need to acknowledge that we would, we would, we would crash and tumble without emotional labor. But the work of emotional labor is almost always defined as women's work. If you were to say the term women's work all over the globe, there's an immediate reference to that. Immediate. Say the words men's work. There's also an immediate reference that has absolutely nothing to do with the household. Correct. Correct. Men's work, everything to do with the household and everyone who's inside of it, or maybe away at college or maybe living in another town, but men's work of the professions and contractors and pharmacists and, and doctors and um, CEOs and CFOs and COOs. and So I think it's lovely if one is able to engage in the household management and emotional labor, but I, I would argue that it's not women's work it's work, and it's a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's endless. But we
0: mentioned the workplace right up front, and I was reading, or I caught a, a post on LinkedIn about the work that women are doing of this kind of emotional kind, which is non-promotable, unseen. So a man doesn't pick it up. They don't do it, but it's like you said, fetching the sandwiches for the lunchtime meeting, organizing this raffle. This, that, and that. And so in addition to our work, we're adding a whole load of emotional labour in the workplace too. Mm, your view on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm having a technical issue.
0: It sounds fine.
1: What was your question? No,
0: I mean I mean your view your view on that, um Regina, that you know, we as women are also moving so much of that emotional label into the workplace
1: well here's what i find so interesting i so you mentioned that i'm a historian and i finished a phd in women's history when i was 41 years old and um one of the things i know about our history is The workplace, the formal workplace was never ever designed for women. So here's a funny little quick history. Before World War II, here in the United States, before World War II, it was not uncommon for a company head to look at their um, assistant or their secretary, right? All secretaries were male, typewriters, Typewriting and secretarial work were male-dominated professions. Women were not working in the paid corporate, not yet. So it was not uncommon for a business leader to look at their underling and think of them as a father-son relationship. I will show you how I got to the top. And there was this, there was this um, mentoring relationship. After when World War I started, and all of those guys leave corporate workplace to go to war, women throw themselves into this work gladly, and the relationship shifted from that of father-son to that of husband-wife. And her presence in the paid workplace becomes almost synonymous with an extension of the home in terms of the types of work that are going to be expected or assumed about the the female secretary, the female typewriter. Not to put too fine a point on it, but I had a light bulb moment at one point in my life where I recognized as more and more women entered the paid workforce, with a traditional working life of nine to five, school hours never changed. School hours, then and today, remain eight to three. So I think of the amount of work (laughs) associated with making sure the child gets to school on time and making sure there's aftercare. Until you get out of your paid work so you can start your next shift at home unpaid, so the paid workplace has always been for women um, an extension of their of their work at home and And even though I don't like the term and I don't use it except in my book title, uh, it's an extension of what we think of as women's work. But the reality of all of this is that the work at home, the work in the paid workplace, it's all a lot of work. It requires attention to detail. It requires cognit—you know a, a huge amount of cognitive skills from noticing to planning to sequencing to processing to prioritizing to um, maintaining a sense of emotional management. You know, all of these, these are all skills that not everyone's born with. And they come out of the part of our brain called the executive functions. So if your executive functions are tweaked or compromised because of ADHD, depression, anxiety, um, neurological challenges, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis. I mean, um, uh, early dementia, Alzheimer's. So as, as we're, as, as, you know, sandwich generation women are caregiving and caretaking older adults, those cognitive challenges are happening. What I'm saying is, in order to maintain clarity at home, clarity in the paid workplace, one has to, it would be great if one had executive functions firing in all systems. Since most people are not wired that way, and if you're a female not wired that way, chances are really good your house has a lot of clutter. Because if you don't have the necessary skills and relationships with time, how many people do we hear say, I have no time, there is no time, I've run out of time, time keeps running away from me, I'm, I'm always out of time, there's never enough time. We use the word time as a metaphor to help us understand why we're not activating so i think of all these women with time management challenges emotional management having a hard time sequencing planning prioritizing and yet we call the work of the household a mo- uh, women's work it turns out you actually don't need a vagina what you do need is a, is a, an executive function so we're 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 really kind of referencing the wrong body part here
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> we definitely are and when you're saying it's the that, brain, it's the brain, but when you're saying that for me, I totally now understand why everything just starts to fall apart in, in the perimenopause and menopause years because our brains, as we now know from wonderful neuroscience work, are compromised. We have brain fog, we have higher levels of anxiety, we're suffering with depression. If we have ADHD or we're autistic, that is going to show up and our emotional regulation isn't maybe once what it was. Yes. I And Leon, I haven't slept for years, then I'm not surprised that the home becomes a place of chaos and a source of tension because if it has functioned yes. before, it certainly doesn't now
1: and clarissa are you see um and we may have spoken about this um the last time we, we we chatted but i've understood that there's research coming out that shows the impact of menopause on executive functions yes we have real inability because so many to organize. women tell me mm-hmm. well so many women tell me that they feel as though they have ADHD-like behavior as they've gotten older. And they think, am I crazy? And it's like, no. The way the blood flow goes to the prefrontal cortex, it just slows down our executive functions. So if you are operating on, if if you were born, that's my brain type. In my family of origin, there are six of us. Four of us are like me. Two of us need us. (laughs) So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm used to operating on that higher, on that level. Um, so if somebody is used to operating on that level, and then they enter 55, 65, 70, 75, and they're noticing not, not quite, I'm not quite up on it anymore. It's, it's, it's just a shift in the executive functioning skills. and. And, and so a lot of women are experiencing um, that challenge during menopause.
0: Oh, 100%. They'll talk about just being foggy, not being able to multitask, right,
2: right, right, um, right.
0: think quickly. They, and I had an example here, which I, my listeners may have heard me quote before, but I had a lady come to me and she said, I'm a head of HR. I've always been really fast in meetings. I answered quick on my feet. And I go to two interviews and I bomb both of them. I couldn't get a word out. Nothing comes out anymore. Everything is just like Swiss cheese up there.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah. And that would play out as wow. well in emotion, in the whole ability to function well.
2: The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. Rollercoaster prices, supply chain glitches, political unease, they do their best to wreck my business plans. With so many unknowns, how do I know I'm making the right decisions? Aeon helps me stay on top of things. They have expert points of view on volatility from around the world, paired with local insight that helps me get back on solid ground. Better decisions. Aeon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's tough out there for a lot of people. It
0: is tough out there. So, I mean, we've placed an immense emotional load on women. But really, why has this become women's work? I mean, and and seems to have got more so in the last maybe 50 years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, <story> to
2: you. <laughs> uh,
1: there... Before women had access to the written word, before women had access to literacy, before women had access to writing books and articles under their own name, there were many, 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 many men writing many, 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 many things about how women should comport their lives. How to be a woman. The best woman, as St. Paul said, is she who is silent. Uh, Aristotle had choice things to say. Thomas Jefferson, here in the third president of the United States. Uh, In the U.S., in the early part of the 19th century, we see the separation of public and private sphere public sphere becomes more the sphere of commerce and industry the rough and tumble world of politics and the private sphere is the home the hearth where where the adult male in the public sphere comes home to the private sphere for nourishment and rest and sustenance because it's terrible out there one component of the separation of spheres has to do with household management in terms of raising the future citizens of the state who cuz the united states is emerging as a republic they're gathering up states they're they're looking ahead to who where do we find our future leaders where do they come from and the 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 thought leaders of the day say ah the the next leader of the country is going to come from a well-ordered home. Feminist historians call this period the cult of domesticity, uh, the cult of separate spheres. And, And what this meant was that the weight of the republic, not to put too fine a point on it, but the weight of the republic is now on her shoulders to make sure she knows how to manage a household so that her son emerges as a future leader. And it's sobriety and task management and a good relationship with time and, and you know, teaching them the skills, the cognitive, um, the intellectual the emotional skills one needs to make their way in the world. Big stuff.
0: Yeah, (laughs) really big. And placing such a weight onto
1: people. Huge. I don't know. I think the message has changed that we're, you know, we want to raise good kids, not necessarily the the next, the next um, senator or Supreme Court justice, but, because of this historical, because the historical underpinnings were so great and strong, I, it was everywhere. Couldn't get away from it. And and then you know we saw this kind of change with women entering the paid workforce after World War One, during World War Two. You know, back up. In between wars, we see a lot of women's magazines coming out, and all the women's magazines were how to be in the home. When World War II happened here in the US, all the women's magazines changed saying, you don't have to cook for eight hours. You can prepare a nutritious meal in 15 minutes. Your children won't become juvenile delinquents if you leave home for the paid workforce for the duration. So society has always told women what their roles are depending on what was happening culturally, politically, socially, or otherwise. Once the war ended, all the magazines changed yet again, and your family is not going to think you love them if you don't spend all day in the kitchen. And, and the 1950s television shows start showing women, 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 at home, home, home. So the messages haven't really changed much. What has changed a lot is that women nearly dominate the paid workplace, but not a whole lot changed generally speaking I know there are there are outliers, I know there's some really, really good adult male partners yes. out there without a doubt, and probably no. And of course, some of them are are doing a, a a huge, huge, more than equal share. Yes. But that's they're outliers.
0: Yeah, they are outliers. I think I'm even right. here in Sweden, which is reckoned to be one of the most equal. Here, um sixty four percent of all home related duties in one form or another are still done by women. Yeah. Right. So we, we've achieved not the equality that the outside world may think at all
1: we've achieved it we're 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 achieving equity in a lot of places just not in the home and i and i and and here in the u.s there's um we had a we had a horrible um uh, a very visible murder of of uh, a black man um in in uh in the spring of 2020 and it galvanized the country to talk about diversity equity and inclusion and we hear a lot about equity and we hear a lot about inclusion and i see the household as it that's the locus of where it ought to start gender equity ought to start in the home and That's not what we're seeing. We're not seeing gender equity in the household. And so if you are somebody listening to this podcast and you feel that there's no gender equity, I have some ideas for thinking differently and doing a little differently to promote this.
0: Indeed. I think that is such an important point that... You know, there isn't this in any. I, there's nowhere apart from maybe a pocket here and there that this is actually happening. I, I mean, women are falling into traditional roles,
1: and no. But I'd like to hear some ideas. Not falling into them, they, I don't think they're falling into them. They just move into them. They yeah. just continue their journey as girls living at home with their parents and women living at home with their with their with their spouse. I I don't know that we're, I don't know that we are um, falling falling back Mm. in. I think that it's not gone away.
0: No. I mean, I think it's probably an interesting one to look at what did we do when we were young and single, and then how much have we drifted back to being like our mothers when we then have a partner. Yes, yes, yes.
2: Okay. Very good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Ah <laughs> yeah yeah i and I, and i would say i wonder how much we don't follow what our mothers told us anyway even when we are young and single i'm sure we do an immense amount of
1: homes. i bet we not i bet we not ironing as much as our mothers
0: <laughs> oh no well i don't <laughs> i don't iron <laughs> i i have an iron and i kind of go what is that but but i still think that even maybe when we were single whether Girls would still do more home-related stuff than than maybe a sure. boy a boy would. Yeah, but I mean, what are yes. some of the ways, exactly. Regina, that people can actually begin to create
1: <laughs> create equity? Well, one thing I, I think that if if there's wow. a lot of those challenges at home, if you feel like you're the one doing all the work, chances are you're right. Um, the one way to uh, start looking at this differently is instead of having yet another argument with your spouse, I would say, if there's two adults living in the home, uh, mention this podcast, get the book, and then and then tell the other adult in the household. We're going to go into separate rooms and we're going to write down everything we do here. No filters, no hole bar, just write it all down. If you're the one who cleans the fan blades, write it down. And, and be thoughtful about it. Create your list and then look and then compare lists. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, Quick and fun exercise.
0: Oh boy, that would that would be <laughs> so, interesting. so interesting, so interesting, I
1: think it's a very interesting exercise because so much of the work of the household is invisible. Yeah, it's planning. It's planning to plan. It's remembering to remember. It's noticing that the that that the laundry has to be done. It's noticing that you're out of catch up. It's noticing that we've got to get holiday cards out. So it's, it's, it's all of that. It's the physical, it's the cognitive, it's the emotional. So now you have very unequal lists, unbalanced lists. Uh, there's a wonderful book out there called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky, R O D S K Y. And what Rodsky did from her book is to develop one hundred playing cards with every task and chore imaginable, and then you lay your cards on the table and and you look at what has to be done and you look at so so you look at what has to be done and and let me back up a moment, I believe that more women would stop feeling guilty by taking self-care. There's a lot of women, they feel guilty when they are training for their marathon. They they feel guilty for their spa day. They feel guilty for, you know, three days um, with their gal pals in San Diego. I think the guilt would dissipate if women could become more comfortable with delegating because the guilt comes from when we leave things undone. So delegating is a really significant component in ameliorating the burden. But since because it's almost part of our historical DNA, we're better at the work of the household. Hands down, we're better at it, pretty much, unless we've got executive function challenges and that you're not good at any of it. um, Delegating to somebody who's better at it is not going to be an equitable proposition when it comes to the house. So, I am a a proponent of, (coughs) pardon me, radical delegation. Radical delegation is delegating to anyone who can do it, regardless if they're good at it. Radical delegation is delegating a task because it has to be done, not because of who's best at it. And in a household with two adults, if neither one wants to do it or neither one is good at it, that's when you start the conversation about outsourcing and then what I call are deliberate dialogues. Deliberate dialogues are the the underpinnings for what is it that we're going to continue doing. What is it that we just need to take off the table? If I don't want to mail out holiday cards and you don't want to mail out holiday cards, do we outsource that or we just stop mailing holiday cards? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's you've got to have these deliberate dialogues. Yes. Yeah. And then so there's radical delegation, there's deliberate dialogues. And I think the third component, which is, which is, um, what most people don't talk about is anticipating what I call the emotional labor life cycle. Mm. We can all agree something is always coming up. <laughs> yes, always. <laughs> <It'll be laughs> something. Your son comes back yeah. from, yeah, your son comes back for a week, they go away. You know what I mean? Yes. There's always something happening. Yes. A lot of people are blindsided. They're caught unawares. And the work of that new thing that's coming in, because we see it as women's work, is going to fall on her shoulders. So if we can anticipate everything that's coming up, who's going to talk about sex? Who's going to teach to drive? Who is going to manage your mom when she um, gets dementia? Mm. Who's going to um, take over bill paying when your work hours change? You know what I mean? It's, It's how do you... To anticipate everything that's coming up, so that you can preempt the the delegation. Oh boy! You can preempt the, the 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 deliberate dialogues.
0: Gosh, it would be so much easier if we were more anticipatory. So much easier. So much easier. Right. And I think a lot of source of right. tension is because these things keep appearing. And we feel they're unplanned, yet in reality we knew, or right. we knew that they could, right. or we knew that they might, might also be the case. I mean, I'm usually, and I would say I sit here sometimes going, Oh no, now my stepson is coming. Well, we always know that he could turn up. So being prepared that there has to be food or something right. is something we can anticipate. We anticipate some other strategy to make sure this child is fed. <laughs> but, yeah not the stress that leads to the tension. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's so simple when you said that. And and I (laughs) I wonder why more of us don't do it. It's not easy. I suppose we've also got a lot of trust and a lot of things about our own identity tied up
1: in this work that we do as women. Right. Yes, and it is. And that's, that's such a, um, significant point when I started. So I, I, I have this, this, um, background in women's history. And when I started my organizing business, I, um, uh, I thought I was going to put that behind me and I became an organizer and, you know, lo and behold, who are my clients, professional women between the ages of 40 and 70 because they're charged with the task of the household <laughs> and it's overwhelming it's the longest job description in history there's no other job description that big no, I, anywhere on the no. planet and
0: anywhere it doesn't really have an end until you're incapacitated it <laughs> ends.
1: so i'm i'm in the field i'm working with clients and i'm hearing women expressing so much shame i could cry and despair self-loathing because they feel that they're not able to fulfill this ideal of what it means to be female in her household it's 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 stunning and that's when i first came up with the phrase Listen, Sylvia. Just because you have a vagina doesn't mean to the man are born. You know, it's like are so right. And the oh. and the weight of that statement is like, oh, yeah. yeah. And I think when you just when you
0: say it's so strong, and then I think of the shame that women that my listeners' age group are carrying because suddenly we're not. This thin and these men, no wrinkles and this blonde and this that and the other. So we're carrying this double, triple whammy of shame. That is that is yes. the addition. It's qualifying. It's, it's, it's the additional mental load. And of course, that shame is a subset of the fear emotion, which is never yes. good for your yes. cognitive abilities. So it's a double oh. whammy. It's it's shocking.
1: Well, then, you're dealing with menopause, so the triple whammy yeah.
0: you know, it's like, Wah! Yeah. <laughs> but your but your whole oh approach, this beautiful three steps are you know is so powerful. I love it, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I love talking to you. I think we could talk about this and go into all sorts <laughs> of avenues, but I mean, I'd love to let my listeners know where they can find out more about the work you do and where your book is available.
1: The book is available on Amazon. Thanks for asking. And, uh, and I, I, I have, um, Well, the work that I do, uh, you know, one hat is author-speaker, so you can go to reginalark.com. And the other hat is uh, organizer, ADHD expert, productivity uh, professional, and that's aclearpath.net.
0: Brilliant. And we are going to put those in the show notes so that people can find you and they can buy your book. And I think I will be putting also a link to Eve's fair play as well because I think every every family should play that card. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's a it's really wonderful. I I I I agree. Thank you so
0: much, Virginia, for coming and talking a snapshot of emotional labor. I think you know we we'll probably yeah. walk away going thinking I need to change this, and maybe now we have some steps to begin that process. Thank you.
2: Cool. Yay.